Welcome to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. First Merchants Bank, helping you prosper. Put it in the upper right-hand corner, just like a postage stamp. That's a good bingo! Get ready to learn more about the Columbus Blue Jackets players and coaches, as well as find out what's going on this week in the NHL. Now let's join Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley for the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Welcome to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets picked up another point last night when they lost in overtime to the Anaheim Ducks. Now they have points in three straight games. But tomorrow night, they're here in Montreal to take on the Canadiens. Bob McGilligan and Jody Shelley with you. And Jody, that game last night, I thought that Pascal Vincent uh, really wrapped things up when he made a statement in his postgame press conference. And he said, if we play like that every night, we will win most nights. And there was uh, there was no lack of effort for the Blue Jackets. There was some bad luck. There were some posts and there were some turnovers that the puck went in on the other side and all that stuff. But all in all, um, they walked away with a point. They're disappointed. If they come out of there with zero, I think they're really mad today. But again, it was it was a good effort. Now that's three in a row. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's going to be games that you don't get that extra goal, and you can look at the power play situation and say. They had so many opportunities. How didn't they they win that game? And, and that's how you have to think. But there's a process for a coach who's establishing the way things are going to run here, the standard. You know, he's healthy scratching guys. We've seen Robinson go down on waivers. He's in Cleveland of the American Hockey League. We've seen Foodie get waived, who was a, a first-round draft pick, who is now with the Nashville Predators. And, you know, these things are happening. Everyone's taking notice. His currency is ice time. He's Bench Severson, who's in the first year of an eight-year contract, and he didn't play a whole period. So it doesn't matter who the player is, what their name is, how much he respects them, what he thinks of them, how much money they make. He has mentioned that they are a number on the bench, and if you're number 44 on the bench or 40, whatever your number is, Bob, 49, I don't know, Dan Fritchie, it doesn't matter how much he likes you. If you're not doing what he's asked, you're going to sit, and everybody, everybody's in on that. So last night's game, he's watching for those details. Of course, he's waiting for the cannon to go off and a couple of those shots that have hit the post. It doesn't happen, but as a coach, the process is building. It's 82 games. The Blue Jackets are just starting their season, but I think he's already established what he wants, and for him, it's an indicator. It would be frustrating leaving last night, just like all the fans for the coach, because there were some errors that cost goals. Uh, there were some big saves at either end. And Dostal is a guy who hasn't played a lot of NHL games. Uh, but I don't know if you saw his reaction when that overtime goal went in last night uh, by Bertrano. He was ecstatic. It was like they'd won. I-, I thought it was like game one of a series. You know you know what I mean? It, but Anaheim is scratching and clawing to get wins, and they hung around and were able to take advantage of a couple opportunities. So, yes, y- you have to kind of walk out of this one and say, okay, what you just said off the top. Five out of six points the last three games now get back on a winning streak. And uh, this is a, I'm very encouraged by what they're doing and, and how they're building and how he's realistic with last night. Because you could look at any win or loss, uh, mostly the losses, very, very negatively. But it's what you said, hard work within what he's asked the team. And, and we're going to talk to Justin Danforth here tonight. And he's one of those players that brings the effort every time and does what's asked of the, from in battles and in the system. And it'll be interesting to hear what he says. Yeah, it will be. I want to go back to the the accountability thing that you were just talking about because as a player, and I'm sure you've been there with different coaches, where you're sitting on the bench, and if you see one guy that makes a mistake and he gets benched for it, and you see another guy who maybe uh, 
more skilled player, maybe a higher paid player, maybe a star, and he makes the same mistake and the coach just turns the other way and, and lets it go. If it's not the same for everybody, what kind of attitude does that breed amongst the guys sitting on that bench or in that room? Yeah, it's not a team. It, it's not a – I mean, the guys that played a lot of minutes – are going to make more mistakes and have a longer leash because they have the puck more, they're in different situations, they're facing top opponents, good defenders, uh, so you're realistic about it. But when it's a simple play or you see a player that's off one night and not in the game, uh, you have to use that currency because everybody's watching. And I've been in rooms where that's been the case where the star just keeps going out and, you know, don't worry about him. Don't worry about what he's doing. Worry about what you're doing. It's almost like they're taking the frustration out on the bottom six forwards or the bottom pair D or the goaltender that's struggling and saying, no, you're not going to work through this. I'm frustrated at him, but he's going to learn how to play this way. This is the only way he's going to learn. It's just a bad situation to be in. There's nothing better. And I think that any veteran that's been in the league, even the rookies, show me my boundary, show us our, our boundaries as a group, and we'll, when we know where they're at, everybody's clear. It's it, You build momentum from that, especially when you look at this team. They skated hard early last week after a terrible game. And, you know, they win, they lose, they, they skate hard. And then it's kind of like a, a refresh to the mindset that, hey, this put the fire out right away. Everybody knows where they stand. And then Pascal Vincent and his, his whole coaching staff, which I think with Joseph Bombadine there now, uh, who is an intelligent hockey mind, uh, he was the director of scouting for the Blue Jackets, and now he's stepped onto the bench. Great, great acquisition. Good guy to have in the locker room for Pascal and the players. And then Mark Recchi, uh, along with Jared Bull and Steve McCarthy, they've got a really good group there. And you can tell that they work for each other, and they all accept, and they all understand the standard. And they all have candid conversations, Bob, after the game. McGilligot was terrible last night. You know, or Shelley, I mean, what's he thinking? You know, they'll go through all that, but then they circle back and think, okay, how are we going to address this? Think about Andrew Peake, who's been out of the lineup. There's a lot of moving pieces here that they've got to take care of, uh, but it's all early in the season uh, doing it for the right reasons, and that's to build a culture here with this talent that understands what's expected, and that's really the bottom line. It's so refreshing. I, 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 I had it with John Tortorella, and it was just, you didn't have to worry about anything. It was just you knew where you stood and walk into the rink and do your job and go home. But there are some guys that become first-time NHL head coaches that might not be as adamant about doing that. I mean, you can be worried about it. Like, you know, you're trying to win over a team or, or whatever. And um, for Pascal, are you surprised that he has come in and, and he has done what he has done? He's laid down the law like that in a way where – He's respectful to the players, and he's getting that respect right back. I was curious how it would work for him and if he would be as firm as he is. But I think watching it done correctly as an assistant coach, uh, you know, he was a head coach early in his career, and then he was an assistant. Then he was a head coach of American Hockey League team. Then he was an assistant with Paul Maurice, who he credits all of his career pretty much to Paul Maurice. He says he wouldn't be here as prepared if it wasn't for, for Paul Maurice. And Paul Maurice is very candid in the media, but he's very firm with his players, and but fair. And I I think he's play, he's been assistant for coaches that haven't dropped the hammer. And 
when you're driving home after a loss and you take notes and you realize that I wouldn't have done it that way, I would have done it this way, even with maybe with Paul Maurice, so, you know, you, you learn from who you're with. And he's a very intelligent guy and he understands the people in the locker room, which is his advantage. He's known Patrick Liney and Jack Rosovic their entire careers, uh, being in the Winnipeg Jets organization and now following them here to Columbus. It's an advantage. So I think he's he's that intelligent and he's learned from the good and the bad that he's seen uh, up front and around the league. And I think he's now doing it his way. And I think it's refreshing for him and the coaching staff. You mentioned his relationship with Patrick Liney and Jack Rosovic. I think in these past couple of games, especially the uh, Calgary game last Friday and then the Minnesota game where Jack got the overtime winner on Saturday. I think that Pascal Vincent's understanding of Jack Roslovic in his game and how to try to get something more out of him, I think that's really showing itself here in the last couple of days. It is because, you know, he's seen Jack at what he would say is best. And it's been for, you know, parts of seasons. And it's interesting with Roslovic because he's a local guy. How many guys get to play in the NHL, first of all, but then get to play for a team uh, that he grew up idolizing in a city that he's so familiar with? And I think that there's a an appreciation there for Jack um, that he's probably had before, but you can lose that sometimes. You know, when you keep getting thrown over the boards or you're going to be that second-line center, you're going to play the position. Well, that gets pulled away from you, and you're watching game number one from the stands. And then you're on the fourth line left wing, which you've never played. You're right-handed shot that's played center and some right wing. You know, those are situations that make you uncomfortable. But then all the list of thing transactions that happen, he'll take serious notice. And there's a part of the game which Pascal has asked of his players that is, it's not go on the ice and wait for the long pass so you get a breakaway. Or it's not the moment where you receive a pass on a two-on-one and, you, you know, the fans cheer for you. It's when you go in for a puck, you battle for the puck. You, you're present in the battle. You're harder to play against. The, the, the plays that lead up to a goal usually are a small play that is a, it's unheralded. You don't talk about it, but it leads to you getting out of the zone or getting through the neutral zone or even a bigger part, keeping plays alive in the offensive zone. When you're on the fourth line, you work so hard to get out of your zone. You work so hard to get in that zone. And then if, you're, if I'm the guy that has to go net front, Bob, you throw it up to the point or the winger, and they lose the battle on a soft play, and I'm trying to get position in front of the net, now we're back in the neutral zone or the D zone. So those are the battles that lead to more offense and all the fun. And I think Jack is starting to learn that. And I would agree with your initial, your initial point is that Pascal understands these people, and especially those two guys that are, at times, leave you scratching your head with, you know, what are they thinking? You know, where's their effort in that play? How can they, you know, they've got the speed, they've got the size, they've got the skill, but that's not what wins you championships. And I, I, I think I talked about it last week with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Jack Eichel learned in a system to be unselfish. And it's not a selfishness. It's, a, it's more responsibility within the play to lead to winning. And you might not get a three-point night, you know, for a couple weeks, but you win the games, and you understand the goal. I think that's what he's done really well here. I think one of those little plays that you're talking about leading to a goal, let's go back to the Calgary game last week. Justin Danforth, who's going to join us here in a couple of minutes, makes a play in the defensive zone on the wall, gets the puck, springs it out to Sean Corrali. It's a two-on-one. Roslovic doesn't get a point on this play, but he's driving on the left side. Sean's driving down the right side. 
goalie has to account for two guys. Corrali winds up scoring. Those are the kind of things, Yeah, right? it's the Danforth play. You know, and it's the pass that gets up to Danforth that's in an area where he can create that battle, but then uses leverage to get the puck out to speed. And when you have speed and you see it's not clogged up, you want the puck so bad. So when you have a guy that can get you that puck, and, and it's the skill of Danforth, it's the speed of both guys, and yeah, those are the plays. But, you know, they've upgraded their D as well. When you have Provorov who can skate his way out of trouble or passes pass the puck out of trouble, Severson, Wierenski, you spend less time in your own end, and the forwards are now getting pucks that are cleaner and able to keep that speed and get up to speed quickly. You mentioned Provorov. This is a guy that he had come under fire in Philadelphia right before he got traded to the Blue Jackets. Last year, he took a lot of flack from the media there and wasn't happy about it. What have you thought of his game so far? I like him. You know, sometimes I watch him. He looks like Zach Wierenski and his, his size, those big shoulders lumbering up the ice. Um, he's he's a no-nonsense player, and he he, he knows he knows his skill set. I used to tell Rusty Kwesla um, all the time, like, understand what you are, like, you know, know your role, know what you are, know your limits. And, and it was, it was just kind of joking, but it was also because Rusty used to try to do too much. And you don't see that in pro Roth. He's a guy that knows how strong he is, confident in battles, understands the exits and the outs before he gets to the puck. And he's never really in trouble. And I love, I mean, he does all those, he blocks shots, he's physical, he can skate up the ice. He's a, what a great pickup for the Blue Jackets to get him. The way he fits in here, too, is uh, is remarkable. He's, you know, he leads the team in ice time because he's a workhorse. Yeah, workhorse. And, and when you talk about fitting in, too, um, you know, you got all those other Russian players, and, and he's a guy that speaks very good English. I'm sure he's going to be a, a real help, especially to a guy like Dmitry Voronkov, who oh. just got called up from Cleveland. Oh, yeah, he does speak English, so <laughs> he's, he's going to help him more than we'll ever know. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And Voronkov didn't get into the game last night. I want to ask you about this. Pascal said in his pregame yesterday, because I know they want to get this guy in. They want his size. They want to use that. But he said yesterday they put him through skating tests to, to make sure that he was at the, the physical level he needed to be to play in the NHL. Um, I would imagine that's probably why he didn't get in in last night's game, and probably you won the game, so you keep the same lot, same lineup. But you think he, we could look for him soon? Yeah, I think he's in the lineup. I think he's... He's one of those players we heard about for the past couple of years. He commits to come over. Uh, he wasn't in shape. You know, he didn't have a, he wasn't in NHL shape. So he's had to work through that. It'll be the best thing for him. Um, you know, he gets down to the American Hockey League, kind of learns the way of life, figure out how to live. <laughs> and there's more time off down there as far as games are played closer to the weekend. So, yeah, we're, we're going to see him for sure. They like his size. They like his bite. He can play center. Uh, he's a guy that can fight, so... We'll see. I think we we'll see him in very soon. And he's a guy that can stand right in front of the goalie on the power play, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind having something no, like that. that'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> that would be good. All right, Justin Danforth is going to join us next. We'll talk about uh, what has been a long journey for him over the course of the past year plus, and, boy, it's paying off. He has three goals already on the year in the first six games. So Justin Danforth joins us next on the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge. The Blue Jackets taking on the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night as they are back on the road. Bob McElligot and Jody Shelley back here with you. And Justin Danforth is our guest tonight. And Justin, uh, first of all, welcome back. That is the big thing for you. Uh, if we go back to last year, I think you were the first guy that suffered that season-ending injury. And uh, then it kind of spiraled out of control with a lot of other people after that. But 
But for you, let, let's go back to that time because you had just signed a two-year contract. You would earned a spot. You were feeling really good about yourself. And then it was almost over in the blink of an eye, wasn't it? Yeah. First, thanks for having me on, guys. And um, yeah, I think it's it's a tough league to play in. So, um, you know, I started getting my feet under me my first year near the end of the year there after getting sent down, called up and um, started to play some games. And I thought I had a good camp in the second year and, and a good start to the season and then have an injury like that happen. It's um, it's definitely tough mentally, physically, and it's a long road to recovery with the shoulder injury. There's no way to rush it, but, um, you know, it's it's something I've learned from and and at least we had, you know, Wierenski and Bean together. And we could we could work together at rehab and, and, you know, keep each other's spirits high and, and help each other out. Yeah, and you don't want to be in that spot, and neither does anybody else, but the fact that, that uh, the three amigos that you guys were last yeah. year, what, like what kind of things What kind of things did you do beyond just, you know, trying to get back to, to health? How did you distract yourself from uh, how frustrating it was not to be able to be a part of what was going on? Yeah, I mean – I think all three of us went home for a little bit. I went home for a couple of weeks. Beaner went wherever Beaner goes for uh, a month or so. But um, so when we all got back together, we were just kind of, you know, trying to you know, go for dinner or do some stuff outside the rink to try and keep our mind off of, uh, you know, missing the games. And, and as you guys know, last year was a frustrating year for, for the entire group. And I think it was frustrating for us not to be able to help and, and to be almost, you know, almost um, the starting trigger of, of that year of, of, of being injured and, and you, you can't do anything to help the guys when they're, when they're struggling. So it's, it was frustrating. So you get to the summer and you get healthy and you're getting prepared for camp. And actually before you get to the summer, I mean, you had earned your spot here with one head coach and now all of a sudden there's a change. And like for you, not being able to finish the year going into the summer, now trying to prepare for a camp. Um, how are you looking at that? Because now you've got to prove yourself to somebody else. Ultimately, the way it happens is you wind up playing for a guy that knows you very well and you're almost slotted uh, right back in, with, or at least with somebody that knows what you can bring to the table. But before that happened, what, what was your mindset as you're trying to prepare and get ready? I mean, it's it's definitely tough when, when you have a coach who, who knows who you are and, and um, you know, believes in you as a player. Um, that coaching change tough, but I feel like things happen for a reason. And, um, you know, I, I went into the summer um, determined and, 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 you know, put the work in and felt like it was, um, it was a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of work getting the shoulder back to normal and, and then getting the legs under me and getting skating more. So I tried to get on the ice more in the summer and, and just feel, um, try and get in that mid season form early. So I, I knew camp was going to be tough. I knew regardless of who was in charge, it's, it's always a tough camp. Um, and I just wanted to be the, I wanted to be feeling good on the ice. I wanted my conditioning to be high. To, to make the game come easier because I know it's when you take a year off of playing the NHL, it's um, the timing, everything is, is tough to get back into, but um, I try to make it as easy as possible. When did rehab end and you start preparing for the season? Um, I think rehab was kind of mixed in with preparing for the year, I think. I mean, we worked on my shoulder until, um, you know, end of summer, really. Like, we're just, we, we made sure that the shoulders were strong coming into the year that could, could handle playing physical you know it's it's I, I definitely have to play physical to be successful in this league and and I think the more strength you have in, the, in that your shoulders the, the better chances that you'll last 82 games so I think it was kind of mixed in with getting ready for the season and, um so a little more work than usual so longer days that's why I ask it's yeah. a, you know in, in the off season it's probably usually what, three hours maybe start to finish or two hours yeah 
depending on what's going on. So you had extended sessions. Yeah, and you go in there and you do a lot of shoulder work right away, maybe 30, 30, 40 minutes of just shoulder work, or and you're always adding it in, and, um, and then you, you got the rest of the workout to do. And I take the the weight side of my training pretty serious. Yeah. It's it's a big part of my summer, and then you, you're jumping on the ice for for an hour, hour and a half. and So it's it's a good work day. Feel back to normal? Yeah, 100%. Good. Uh, uh, your game, uh, you're playing, you're a guy that can play any position up front. Um, where, where are you at now with even last night's game, how you felt and, and, and what you thought of that game? Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I'm I'm working to earn a big a, a bigger role in the team. I think I, you know I want more responsibility. So it's every day I'm showing up trying to, trying to do whatever I can. Um, you know, as a team last day, I think we played played great, played another hard game. Um, you know, unfortunate uh, result, but I think if we play hockey like that for the next you know 75 games this year, we're we're going to be in good shape because I think we we have so much legs that we we bring so much energy and we're we're all over you. We're hard to play against. Um, we're not fun to play against, you know. I, I, our backtracking, you know, teams hate when when teams backtrack because you don't get those odd rushes, you don't get those three on twos, those gifts, you know. So our goal is to make it hard on teams every night and for them to match our intensity. And I think when we do that, we play really well. I want to go back to kind of a few years ago before you got to the NHL because you're now 30 years old. You're a guy that got here late in his age in his career, but it seems like the perfect time for you. But you were in Russia, you were in Finland, you played over in Europe. And uh, it's different culture over there. Mm. And we have these guys now like Voronkov, uh, Marchenko. We have Russian players. We have guys from Finland. What's the level of appreciation you have for them coming over here, being there in, in that culture? Yeah, I think it's it's tough, like especially for guys like Marchenko and Voronkov, um, where their English coming over was tough, right? It's tough to communicate with coaches and players and, and just normal stuff day to day, you know, grocery store. Like, so it's, there's a lot of stuff outside the the arena that's happening that you're trying to get comfortable with so you could play better on the ice. And I think you see it with Marchenko. He, he's, he's such a talented hockey player, but he got sent down early on. And when he came up, he was more comfortable in this environment and it showed in his game. So I think it's, I have a bunch of respect for, especially like Veronikov coming over, it's it's going to be a learning curve for him. But, um, you know, I think he'll be a, a, a solid NHL player once he gets comfortable and, and, and changes to the style of the NHL game because it is a different style than Russia. There's more space in Russia. In the NHL, it's guys' gaps are great. So you don't have time to, like, make plays. And you have time to make plays, but it's you have to do dirt, different things to try and get yourself um, more space and more time. So I think it's just a matter of him figuring it out. Do you speak Russian? No. No, because we're on show. That means like small mouth, a very small <laughs> mouth. Yeah. So how did you get by over there? Like what was that like for you over in Russia? I mean, you get a driver there who who helps you out. So like it's a good way. start. Yeah. So you get a driver, but he takes care of your entire life. Like he takes care of your banking, phone, you know, getting you the ring, getting you to dinner, um, anything you need, this guy helps you. Sounds kind of nice. It's nice. Yeah. And he was a great guy. His name was Roman and uh, he helped all of us imports out. So, um, that's how you kind of, I mean, Google translates huge real for dinner. It's a real full Russian menu. You just take a picture of the menu and it flashes up English and you point to that. That's what I want. But there's a couple, couple of things happen in Russia where you're just like, well, I'm in a different country. Um, there's one where I ordered a, a vodka soda and they brought out a glass of vodka and then like a, a bowl of baking soda cubes. 
And I was like, oh, I guess I got to really get the details. Straight vodka only. Yeah, vodka. You just picked that bowl up and just... I was I was just kind of shocked. I'm like, okay, I guess uh, something's going on. Well, that's what you ordered. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they brought it out, so... Can I get a bowl of vodka, please? Yeah. <laughs> How's that all? No, that's quite the experience. And, I, you know, I've heard a lot of stories about Russia, and I just wonder about that. And then you got a long path to get here, and, and your determination's got to where you're at, where you're at. Your role in the team, I already touched on it, but like we, I say they missed you last year a lot, and and you're kind of you're not a guy they talk about much, but it's gotta you understand that. But coming into camp, there was also that doubt. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, where there's always that fear, right, of where do I fit in this organization? And now that you're at this point, you're in the season, things are good. You got to be re- much more relaxed, much more confident in your game and your situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when you get into camp. There's so many guys here that can play hockey at a high level, and um, you're you're pushing to, you're just competing every day. Every day you wake up, you you know going to bed, you're you're thinking about it. Waking up, you're thinking about it. Um, and it's just a three week competition, and I think that's the competing part of hockey is why I'm here now today. Like there's, that's why I'm a good hockey player. Is I compete every day, and it's you know I'm a hard player to play against because I won't stop on the play or, or whatever it is, but it definitely feels better now that, you know, I, I have, um, a little bit of a role here now and, and I'm, I'm getting back into it. So, um, but there's always somebody coming, you know, so and there's no, never comfortable, never comfortable. That's for sure. Was it easier to feel more comfortable when you got the one year contract extension and, and, you know, you signed that two year deal last year and all of a sudden year one is gone. Mm-hmm. You're injured. It's over. Now you're coming into this year, final year of a contract. But they extended it uh, for you there a couple of weeks ago. What kind of peace of mind is that for you? Just knowing, obviously, the work you were just talking about, that's how it pays off. That's why you get that. Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, having stability is is massive in this league. I mean, if it's, you know, I'm not lucky enough to have the eight years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Take eight-year, $1 million deal, right? I'll take the one-year <laughs> stability. And, um, you know, I love Columbus. So I, I really want to be here. Um, so it was an easy, easy decision for me. It, it takes a little bit of pressure off me, but, um, you know, I love it here. I think what's going on here is, is something special with this young, young talent. We got, you look Fantilli last night, looked amazing. And, and guys like that, um, are going to push this club to another level that, um, we're, we're, we've been trying to get back to. So I, I want to be a part of it and, um, I'm excited to be here. Talking with Justin Danforth of the Blue Jackets, you talk about Adam Fantilli there and, you got a chance to play with him a little bit during the preseason schedule and just watching him go about his business as a guy that has paid the dues that you have and works as hard as you do. Uh, when you look at him, 19 years old, one year of college hockey, coming right to the National Hockey League, but what do you see in this guy? I think he gets it. You know, I think that's a, he's a, he's a mature kid for his age. Um, you know, he's not over cocky or anything like that. He's confident, which is, which is what you need in this league, but he's a, he's a good teammate. Um, you know, he's a good person to be around. So I think that's, that's a big part of it is, um, and then his, his skill sets obviously super high end. And I think I talked to Jody yesterday about just his, uh, compete level and his, and his will to win. I think that's what kind of separates guys in this league at a younger age. Um, you know, he shows up, he, he competes in practice and, you know, he gets pissed off if he, um, you know, misses an open net or something in practice, you could tell he, he wants to win and he wants to get better. And I think that's all you can ask for from, from a young draft pick. How important is that for this team? Because 
yeah, everybody wants to win, but when you have somebody that comes in like that, does it just kind of reinforce where you say, yeah, yeah, this is how we all feel, but he's, he just got here. And now, now we've got to, we've got to match that. We've got to show him that, you know, we're, we've all got the same drive here. I think he sees it. I mean, he was here early in the summer and, and he saw how, how, I mean, we were doing battle drills in, in mid August. So I think he got a good feeling of, um, of what it's going to be like here and, and what, I mean, we keep talking about it, but the culture that we're, we're trying to set in the, the standards. So I think he, he realizes what he has to do every day. And I think we're all trying to push each other. You came out of college as well. Of course, Adam Fantelli goes to Michigan for a year, wins a Hobie Baker, gets drafted third overall. You grinded your way right through the college game too. It's sacred heart. And um, I remember when you first got here and you played your first game and, and you, your coach was here to watch you play and all that stuff. What kind of a cult hero have you become on campus there for what you've done and, and what you've made yourself into and in getting to the NHL and doing what you're doing? I think it's, I mean, me and Fantilli definitely did had uh, some different uh, college careers for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, we, it was a grind. I mean, we played at the Milford Ice Pavilion, and you guys probably have never seen that place, but it's it's an older, older rink. We played there for my first, you know, two, three years of college, and it was, it's a greasy one. So, um I, I'm proud of, of what I've been able to do so I can help the program. You know, they built a new arena there. Um, they got great coaching staff. They're bringing in big recruits. You know, they're, they're trying to build a new culture there. And um, I think with the new arena and, and the players they're getting, um, I, I think you'll you'll really see Sacred Heart on the map here in the next couple, couple of years. And hopefully those guys who are playing there can see me playing in the NHL and, and know it's possible to get out of, a, you know, a lower-end D1 school. Um, and live your dream. Um, it's not always going to be a direct route right to the NHL, but as, as long as they know that, that it's possible, they can they have something to push for. And that's a funny thing about college hockey because a lot of small schools are D1 because you're either D1 or you're D3. There's no D2 in it. So, uh, you know, you get the opportunity to play against the big boys and do that. How often do you talk to those guys, uh, the coaches there? Um, I'm quite a bit. I mean, Scott McDougal's there. He was the one that recruited me. So we keep in touch. Um, you know, last year I was able to go see the, uh, the, um, when they opened up the new rink in, in December there, I was obviously not playing. So I went to, um, go to the rink there and check it out and be a part of that. So we keep in touch quite a bit and, um, you know, maybe after I'm done playing, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch a little more. Did the alumni association call you as soon as you got your contract extension, uh, seeing if you could Maybe make one more donation. <laughs> yeah, it gets, gets an email for sure. Yeah. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. A new <laughs> row of bikes. Exactly, yeah, a new ice pad or something. Hey, I'm wondering, you you mentioned Adam Fantilli gets it. When did you get it? Because I remember when I got it in my career. Was there a moment or a time where you, you got it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely... I, I had a lot to learn when I came out of college about the pro game, and the pro game is so much different because... I mean, the, 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 de the details of it are important, right? Playing the right way, puck management. I, I didn't know that stuff in college. So if you were to watch my college game, I really didn't have any idea about puck management and, you know, details. I was just trying to win at any cost in college. And then you get the pro, and then you, you start having to play different ways, and, um, you know, you figure out the pro game. But it probably took me until... I don't know, like being my first year in Finland, I started to figure out what I have to do to be successful every year. I had a good good line mate there, Brandon DeFazio, who was was a big help of me. He was who, who was a guy who played in North America for a long time. Um, he did get one NHL game, but mostly in the AHL. And he was the kind of guy that just showed me the ropes of, of 
what I have to do to to be successful. And he was the kind of guy to to believe in me right away and say, you know, you have NHL talent. Um, you know, you just got to believe in yourself. So uh, he was a big part of, of me figuring it out. Same thing happened to me with a guy. I, I found a guy that was Chris Dingman who was so disciplined and I was blown away. Yeah. And now you've got a guy in your locker room that you've become close with because you were rehabbing with last year in Jake Bean yeah. and his preparation's at another level. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is it, it's always evolving, right? Once you get it, you always want to do more. You want to you exhaust every avenue to be the best. Take us through some of the things you've learned from Jake. And, and uh, I mean, he's now taking accounting classes. Last year, he learned how to play chess. He's always challenging himself. Yeah, he's a different different breed, that guy. Like, he's he's fun to be around because you never know what to expect from him or what he's doing. But um, when it comes to hockey, you know, his his details are amazing. And he takes care of his body like no one else. Um, he does so many different things to make sure he's the best product on the ice. And I think you can see it um, this year is of how... He's just smooth on the ice. He heads up, makes strong plays. You know, doesn't doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And then he adds offensively, gets in the play offensively. Um, so he's, I mean, I I was watching him last year when we were skating, trying to get back and try and get healthy. And I I was pretty impressed with him. Um, and I was thinking like, you know, this guy gets healthy, he's gonna he's gonna have some big years in this league. And um, I think you're gonna see it this year. You haven't picked up juggling or any of the things he does. No, I I let him, I let him do his own thing. I, I do what I want to do, and then he can <laughs> he can go and uh, do his accounting class. I did enough accounting classes in college. <laughs> Is that what you took? No, I did uh, finance and economics, but I'm, he's he's looking at like balance sheets and stuff. And I'm like, that's first year stuff, and you got a long way to go. <laughs> at least he's doing it because he played junior in Canada. Yeah, no, he's a smart guy. Yeah, he really is. He's keen on a lot of things and. Uh, I think it's good to have that in the locker room. Just different people doing different things, especially when they have success. Yeah, I agree. So tomorrow in Montreal, I, I asked this to Pascal Vincent yesterday, and tell me if you agree with this. The NHL season really kind of starts now, especially for the guys that aren't used to it a lot because you spent the first four games at home, which is nice. Now all of a sudden you make that quick trip to Minnesota, come home, play last night, travel today, play in Montreal, back home, play on Saturday. Now it's going to start the back and forth, and now that's going to be another learning curve for some of these guys that haven't done it yet, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it's a hard part about the NHL is, uh, you know, we were kind of lucky to get four games at home to kind of get into our systems. And, I got spoiled. I don't know about you guys, but I was like, this is all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Oh, when do I work again in two days? Oh, okay, I'm good with that. I loved it. It was great. So it'll be a, it'll be tough, but, um, I mean, we've got a lot of great leadership in this room. We'll make sure the guys are are prepared and ready to go. And obviously it's going to be special for Pascal because he's going to be coaching in Montreal and, you know, those those Quebec guys to go back there and, and be behind the bench. Is it uh, – uh, you guys want to win for yourselves. I understand that. But you have great respect for him as a group, and I imagine that'll be another rally, rallying cry that you can go to. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, we're going to play any game like uh, we would, but, um, you know, it's a big game for him, but we'll be, we'll be ready to go. Yeah. All right. Well, Justin, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. We love watching you play. Yeah. And it's so fun. Yeah. And, and 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 I'm glad that you've gotten the goals that you've gotten early on here because it just kind of is uh, the immediate payoff for all the work you did last year when you were out for the hard work you put in during the summer. So congratulations to you on that and best of luck this week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. That is Justin Danforth of the Blue Jackets. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Inside Edge presented by First Merchants Bank here on 97.1 The Fan. Welcome back to the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. The Blue Jackets playing tomorrow night here in Montreal. Their first look at the Canadiens. 7 o'clock face-off tomorrow. 
Jody, it was so great to hear from Justin Danforth, and he's so, uh, you know, kind of low-key in the way he talks about things. But as as you know, if you're a fan of this team, the way he plays, the way he talks, two different things because he is high energy all the time, and the Blue Jackets have been feeding off that. Great to hear him talk. I mean, he's a player we love watching because he's a guy that goes into battles and comes out with a puck usually. He's first in on pucks. He just does things uh, how you would expect him to do, and is uh, one of the guys he watches is Brad Marchand, actually, of uh, the Boston Bruins. And, you know, he's the same size. Uh, Marchand has more opp- opportunity on the power play. You know, he's played with some pretty good players that's helped him as well. But he's crafty, and he's he's always got that drive to be the best player on the ice every shift. And you, you see that when you watch Danforth. you got to watch him closely, but he does those things that everyone appreciates. Well, let's talk about the National Hockey League, some things that are going on right now. First of all, Rasmus Anderson got suspended those four games for his hit on Patrick Laine last Friday. He appealed that. They upheld that suspension. I don't know how you feel about it. I thought it, it was fine. I know there were some people that were, there were a lot of people, I guess, on social media that were upset about the length of the suspension. Three seconds left in a game. The guy's shooting for an empty net. Your team has no chance to win the game. You don't need to launch yourself into his head. I thought it was a good suspension. It was, absolutely, and, and upheld. He appealed because he wanted to play in the outdoor game. Yeah. Calgary's got one coming up here, and he's going to miss it now. But uh, it's funny, they, you know, the NHL, PA appealed that, and uh, Gary Bettman shut it down right away. So that that's, um, you know, that's exactly right. I thought he could have got five. Right, yeah, I agree with that. So I was like, okay, should have been five, he got four, all right. And and I said this the other day, if you want to play in the outdoor game, don't make the hit. Yeah, it's, it's a dirty play. Yeah, just very simple. Let the clock expire, go to your room, and you can play outside. And you have to, <laughs> you have to have... Uh, you have to have an, uh, the the process for the suspension is you talk to you you plead your case say what were you thinking what were you doing I, I can't I mean there's no argument there you just outlined it it was a dirty play at the end of the game yeah there was a lot of frustration there's no room for that yeah you you did the wrong thing you took out your frustration the wrong way and line A it's, he could miss five six right you don't even we don't know uh, how many games Patrick Line is going to actually miss right he's now on injured reserve that's why Dmitry Voronkov has been called up from Cleveland so you're absolutely right how long is he going to be out you know they're lucky they don't have that uh, hey your suspension is as long as the guy that's out with his yeah team. that would be could you imagine bad that would that would be bad um. As you look around the league, last night, of course, every team played on the same night. Uh, thankfully, we were part of that. There was a question for a while with the power right. outage. Didn't start at 6.30. Had to wait until 8.30. It, isn't it just typical? The day you think, oh, man, we're going to get home early. This is yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Uh, wrong answer. Yeah, I would have been home by 9, got home at, what, 11.30? Right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's everyone, the fans, right. everyone involved. There was right. a lot of moving pieces that, you know, the power was out around downtown area. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks Hotel had no power. So all those things that are happening, and then all of a sudden the lights go on, and, and it's like, okay, it's going to take a couple hours to get the food and all the things you don't think about in the building right. up and running. The ice, of course, was fine. Their system has a backup, and uh, that was a big question. Is the ice melting? But no, everything was fine, good to go, and yeah, I'm glad we got it in last night because I heard the uh, it might have been pushed back to today. Right. But for the Blue Jackets uh, and, and the Ducks, they got it on, and they've moved on to, I think they're gone to Boston. Yes. Yeah, they have. Yeah, we would have had a play tonight that we wouldn't be here in Montreal, and it would be a back-to-back. And, nah, but anyway. No, it worked out. It did. It did all work out. Uh, let's talk about some teams around the league right now. Um, you know, the Washington Capitals, we saw them two times during the preseason, and you can't always gauge that. But that last game, they had an NHL lineup, and the Blue Jackets were down. They came back, and they won it. And I said, I might have said it to you on the show that, at the time, 
I wouldn't have been surprised if the Blue Jackets lost that game by a goal, but I was really not surprised at all that they came back and, and won it after being down by one, and they won it in regulation because Washington, as talented as they are, as talented as Ovechkin is, uh, it, it's an aging roster. And I know it's only October, but uh, they have not gotten off to a start that they wanted to. No, they haven't, but they have the firepower that they could pop at any time. It, it's just their opponents are quicker, uh, and the game... You look at the way Vegas won the cup with their defensive system and how they played up-tempo, in-your-face style. It gives a lot of teams trouble, and I think for, for the way Washington is built, Backstrom, Ovechkin, the guys that have been there for Kuznetsov, been there for a long time, it's it's hard to play that way. It's a different style. They need open ice. They need space. Uh, Backstrom, not so much. But, you know, they're not finding it, and it's going to get harder as the season goes on. So they'll be an interesting team to watch to see the moves they make. Boston Bruins, 6-0. and Everybody thought Patrice Bergeron retired. David Krejci retired. Bruins are done. They say no. They were a buzzsaw last year through the National Hockey League. Let's not forget that. And, of course, you're, you've lost a Hall of Famer and uh, one of the best leaders we've seen in faceoff guys in Bergeron, but he left a stamp on that team just like Chara did. You know, there's a culture there, and now it's Brad Marchand, and, and it's Pasternak. They've got superstars. They've got goaltending. Uh, we'll see what happens. Swayman's contract is up here and what they're going to do with their goaltending tandem, if they're going to wrap up both guys. I don't think they will, so we'll see. But that's a team that, uh, I don't know, I heard a lot of people thinking they would take a major step back. They have something else to say. I think they've they they you know they've figured it out last year. They've got something to prove uh, in a couple ways, and one is losing those guys, those big players, but also that, that elimination, they got eliminated by the Florida Panthers, and that was a team that was dominant all year long. One last thing, Connor McDavid is injured, not playing for the Edmonton Oilers, and the Edmonton Oilers are looking for wins and not finding them. It's tough to get wins in the National Hockey League when you try to just outscore teams, and when you have that firepower, the best two offensive players in the game, you really have to gear your offense around them, but think about playing them, and I watched it with Vegas last year up close. They had a team game plan against those two guys. You knew you weren't going to absolutely shut them down, but they stayed out of the penalty box because their power play is so dominant, and they played a disciplined system and ended up winning the series over the Edmonton Oilers. And I think that people now have some kind of of game plan going in, and it's going to be a hard season for them if they don't find that team game that they need. Should we go get some French cuisine? Boudin? Everybody, yeah, that's wee wee, that, that, that's up my alley right there. Right on. Fries and gravy and cheese curds, things that are just not healthy. The land of poutine, whatsoever. Right. All right, Jody, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. That is Jody Shelley, and that's going to wrap up this week's edition of the Inside Edge, presented by First Merchants Bank. Also, like to thank Justin Danforth for being our guest tonight. Tomorrow, the Blue Jackets and the Montreal Canadiens pregame show starts at six thirty right here on The Fan. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long, and thanks for listening to 97.1 The Fan.